Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1 says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul... Having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Now, this was Paul's second visit to Ephesus, but his first visit to Ephesus, just a chapter or so before, was very brief. It might have been only a day. It kind of suggests he was only in town a day. He just came in and, and ministered in the synagogue and immediately left. So, Paul didn't have much of a work the first time he was there. He left uh, Aquila and, and Priscilla there. To, uh, to stay behind because they traveled there with him and then when he left, he left them there. So they, they stayed behind, but he left. He went back to Jerusalem and then back to Antioch where he started and then this is his third missionary journey. And so he comes this time. This time he was in Ephesus for over two and a half years. And so this is the beginning of, of that uh, second visit here. It says that uh, when he found these disciples, finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. You know, much of the church world is in essentially that same condition today. They know the Holy Spirit by name, but other than that, know virtually nothing about him. For most Christians, the Holy Spirit has almost no place in their life except in a song or in an, in an official prayer. But as far as the daily life of the Christian, most Christians, the Holy Spirit has no place and no impact in their life. That's a sad thing. He asked the disciples here, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, there's a difference between what he's talking about here, he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. And we'll show this real quickly in just a minute. When he asks, have you received the Holy Spirit or did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? He's not talking about the salvation experience. He's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We know this, that when a Christian believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, when he is born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside. This is true of every Christian. But when the Holy, Spirit's to, Holy Spirit comes to live within, that's not called receiving the Holy Spirit. That's called receiving the Spirit of Christ or receiving the Spirit of Sonship. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in his own direct ministry. He comes simply as the Spirit of Christ to give witness on the inside of that person that he's been born again and, of course, also to teach and to guide because the Holy Spirit teaches and guides us from within. So he comes to live on the inside, but that's not what Paul was asking them. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Let's go back and look real quickly. I'm not gonna take a lot of time, so you gotta be, you gotta be nimble this morning with your scripture fingers, okay? Go to Luke 28. Luke 20, excuse me, if you find Luke 28, you're doing something. Luke 24, 
Luke 24. Now, when Jesus said what, what we're about to read to the disciples, he had already obviously been to the cross. He had been raised from the dead. He had been seen. He had been declared. They had believed on him. This was during those 40 days after his resurrection that he was with the disciples. They all believed on him that he had been raised from the dead. They had conversations with him. He's talking to them now. So these are born again Christians. There are a lot of people that tell you the church didn't start until the day of Pentecost. The church started on Easter morning because Mary Magdalene and some of the other women went to the tomb that morning and Jesus appeared to them and they got on, they got on their face and held onto his feet and worshiped him and they believed obviously that he had been raised from the dead because they were talking to him and so Mary Magdalene was likely the very first person to be born again. The other Mary and the other uh, women that were with him, they were born again. That, that's what, that's what, require, that's what require, is required for the new birth is to believe and confess him as Lord. Well, they were holding on to him, confessing him as Lord, and they were born again. Some people say, well, I don't believe in women Christians. The first preachers were these women they were the very first evangelists in the New Testament. They went to the 12 men, the 12 disciples, and said, we've seen the Lord, we've talked to him, he's alive, and they didn't believe him. They didn't believe the women at first. So these women were the first evangelists in the church. So people that say, well, the Bible teaches women can't preach. Well, if the Bible teaches that, then the church started off on the bad foot. God violated his, his first principles by, by revealing himself. You know you can't reveal yourself to women and not tell anybody. <laughs> They're definitely not gonna keep it to themselves, isn't that right? No, praise the Lord, that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you here yet? Luke 24, Jesus is talking to these disciples who had already been born again. He said, behold, I sinned. Is that future tense? Yes, he said, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Notice the words, the promise of the father. Now, now we're, I want you to, to there's, gonna be, there's gonna be a lot of phrases and words I want you to pay attention to this morning, so, so do, make sure you do it so you get what I'm saying here. Notice he said, I send the promise of my father and then he said, upon you. Then he said, tarry in Jerusalem. So I want you to remember promise of the Father, upon you. Third, I want you to notice tarry in Jerusalem. And then fourth, un fourth until you are endued. The word endued means to, uh, to be clothed upon. Until you are clothed upon, then with power. Remember the word power. So how many things do we have here? Promise of the Father, tarry in Jerusalem, endued with power, endued, number four, power from on high. All right? Now go with me then over to Acts chapter one. You do know that Luke wrote the gospel that bears his name. He also wrote the book of Acts. In fact, the book of Acts is really like volume two. If you go to the first chapter of Luke and the first chapter of Acts, he addressed both books to a man named Theophilus who was a high-ranking uh, Roman official. 
And so Luke, Luke is volume one of what he wrote and the Acts of the Apostles is volume two. So in Acts chapter one, he picks up in this same conversation that he was recording in Luke 24. He picks up the same place here and it says in verse four, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait, remember? Tarry in Jerusalem. Isn't that what, he, what we read? He's, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. In other words, to tarry, but to wait for the what? Promise of the Father. We read that over in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 24, which you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, he goes on to say in verse number eight, you shall receive power. Remember in Luke 24, it says you shall uh, receive the endowment. You will be clothed upon with power from on high. So you can see here, he's talking about the same thing. You will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Didn't he say that in Luke 24? Said that the, the promise of the Father will come upon you. Here he says that the, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we know here that the Holy Spirit coming upon you, the promise of the Father being clothed upon with power from on high and being baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, is all the same thing. You see that? Now go over to uh, chapter two, Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And verse number four says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is what, he, he told them in Acts chapter one, he said this is gonna take place not many days from now. Well, this was 10 days later, so that qualifies. This is the event he was talking about. This is the promise of the Father that would come upon them. It says that when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So to be filled with the Spirit is the same thing as being baptized with the Spirit. It's the same thing as the Spirit coming upon you. It's the same thing as receiving power from on high. All of that's the same thing. Can you see that? Amen. Now go with me, if you would, then over to uh, chapter 8, Acts chapter 8. Verse number 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. And uh, skipping on down here to verse 12, it says, they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women, they were baptized. And then in verse 14, it says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now here it's called receiving the Holy Spirit, which is what it's, is uh, said in our, in our opening text in chapter 19. Paul asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So we have that same phraseology here. But notice, he said they prayed for them 
When they had come, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Remember it said that the Holy Spirit would come upon you? So this is talking about the same thing. It's talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. The Holy Spirit coming to live on the inside is a wonderful reality for everyone who's born again, but there's an experience. That's not, the Holy Spirit coming to live on the inside of you is not an experience on its own. It's tied to the new birth. It's automatic when you're born. That's the, that's the dramatic thing that happens is you're born again. You become a child of God. And part of that experience is the Holy Spirit coming to live on the inside of you. But the Holy Spirit coming upon you is a separate experience altogether. It, it's a separate experience and it's the, it's the Holy Spirit coming in a deeper measure, in a greater measure for a particular purpose of his own. He's coming to empower you. Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, that's what he was talking about here. It says, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So when Paul was asking that question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, this is what he's talking about, amen? Now, let's go back to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. And again, just to summarize, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and receiving the Holy Spirit are just different ways of saying the same thing. I want you to notice two things in, in the eighth verse of Acts chapter one. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then he said, and you will be witnesses unto me. You'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I said this morning that Christians need to, need to, to have faith in everything Jesus has provided. Everything Jesus has provided. Jesus, this is the promise of the Father but John the Baptist said it was Jesus who actually does the baptizing with the Holy Ghost. It's the promise of the Father, but it comes through Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ in the new birth, but Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. That's a ministry that the Lord Jesus has. Do you need that? See, there are a lot of people today because they think it's controversial or because people have preached against it for so long or confused things and said you know, that you don't need this experience. But if Jesus, if it's something Jesus does, I want it. Not only that, if it's something Jesus has provided, he provided it for a reason, it's essential that I have it. It's essential that I have this experience if I'm gonna be everything Jesus wants me to be. Glory to God. Why? There are two things that happens when a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit or is filled with the Holy Spirit or receives the Holy Spirit. There are two things that happen that are very critical. Number one, he receives power. What does that mean? Does that mean that all of a sudden you're like Popeye? And you jump up all of a sudden and you flex your muscles and, and, and you start you know, running faster than a locomotive? Is that what it means? 
You will receive power simply means that a supernatural ability comes into your life that you didn't have before. There is an essence about spirit-filled believers that is supernatural and everything the Christian does after being filled with the Holy Spirit is different than what they did before they were filled with the Spirit. Now, just, just so you'll know, there are five instances in the book of Acts where people were filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost. Acts chapter eight, we just read that in Samaria. Acts chapter nine, and this was only one individual, but this was the, what taught Saul of Tarsus became Paul. Acts chapter 10, which was Cornelius and his household. Then Acts chapter 19, the 12 disciples, which we read about in our opening text. Five occasions where people were filled with the Spirit or received the Holy Spirit or were baptized the Holy Spirit. Four out of five of those occasions, it did not happen when they first believed. It happened subsequently. The disciples were already saved for a number of days before the day of Pentecost. So it didn't happen when they were born again, it came later. Now we know it came later because the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the, in the measure of being filled with the Spirit wasn't available. But the point is they were born again at one point and a point later they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In the eighth chapter, we just read the Samaritans believed those things that Philip spoke concerning the kingdom of God. They believed and were baptized in water. They were born again and yet they did not receive the Holy Spirit at that time. The apostles from Jerusalem had to come down and lay hands on them for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So the second time it happened, they received the Holy Spirit as a separate experience later. The third one is in Acts chapter nine and that was Saul of Tarsus. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and he saw him. And he said, first of all, he said, he heard him and he said, Lord, who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Saul said, Lord, what would you have me do? Do you think he believed on him? He's talking to him. He said later he saw him. So he saw him, he's talking to him, and he confessed him as Lord. But he didn't receive the Holy Spirit that time because Ananias, the Lord sent over there to lay hands on him that he would receive his sight and be filled with the Spirit. So Saul of Tarsus didn't receive the Holy Spirit the day he believed. It was later. That's the, that's the ninth chapter. Skip the 10th chapter, the 19th chapter, which we opened with. Paul went to these 12 disciples and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. We never even knew there was a Holy Spirit. He said, well, tell me how you were baptized. Because you see, if you're baptized with Christian baptism, Christian baptism is, it's said like this. Jesus said, you will baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If they had been baptized in water correctly, they would have heard of the Holy Spirit. They hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. The reason they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit was because of Apollos. We won't go into all the background there, but if you look it up, Apollos came there and he was the primary teacher in that community and he knew the things of the Lord. And the Bible says he taught accurately the things of the Lord, but he only knew the baptism of John. He didn't know about being baptized in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they, were, they had gotten their theology from Apollos. 
And they said, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, they, they believed on the Lord and then were baptized and then Paul laid his hands on them and then they were filled with the Spirit or received the Spirit. So that's the fourth occurrence out of five where people were saved first and then received the Holy Spirit. The only exception was in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 and it says that when they heard the word the Holy Spirit fell on them who believed, right? right? In other words, they believed and were filled with the Spirit essentially at the same time. So that can happen, but the norm is that it doesn't happen. The norm is, the normal experience is people are born again and then later they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's a difference that comes into a person's life when they're born again, but there's also a difference that comes into their life when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside when you're born again, but that's a very private and a very personal and a very invisible thing. Nobody can see the effect of the Holy Spirit in you. When you were born again, maybe you went to an altar someplace or pray and prayed, or maybe you just received the Lord on the street corner, or maybe at home, or you know, someplace at work, or wherever it was you, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no immediate change in your, in your physical body, obviously. If you were tall, dark, and handsome like me before you were born again, you were still tall, dark, and handsome. Thank you for that dramatic effect. If you were short and, and trim, like this man when you were born again, you remain that way. You understand what I'm saying? No, what I'm saying is when you were born again, nothing happened to the outward man. Now there was a change in your life because you didn't want to do the things you used to want to do. It changed your talk, it changed your conduct and your attitude and your outlook, but the work of the Spirit was an internal work. And he was leading you to make those changes in your life. But when, the, but when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, how many of you remember that? When you were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a supernatural element that came upon you and it is obvious to people around you. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if you've lost that, you need to get it back. If you've lost that effect of being filled with the Holy Spirit and it no longer has that supernatural element in your life, can I use the B word? You have slidden back. You have slidden back from where you were because you remember when you were first filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like pow. It's like the sparklers went off and there was a supernatural element in your life, your ability to reach people for the Lord took on a supernatural component. Listen, when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit and I worked, you know, I worked for the telephone company, I worked around people and I would meet other Christians, I met men on the job who belonged to denominations where they really promoted personal soul winning. I mean, they promoted it. They were taught to win souls and they were very, 
They studied soul winning. So I remember one or two of these men that I worked with. I mean, they had a plan. They had a way of approach. They had a way of witnessing to people. It was polished. It was prepared. It, was, it had all of the scriptures and asked all the right questions and had all the right answers. I tried some of that. And, and when I would ask the questions, they told me to ask the people wouldn't give the answers that was on the list. Kind of threw me off. But this guy, I mean, some of these guys, I mean, this particular one, I remember he had it all down. And he was very good at what he did. But it was all up here. It was all natural. It was, it was, he was doing it with natural ability. God honored natural ability. God honored what he was doing. It's not wrong what he was doing. He got people saved. But what I'm saying is there was, there was not that spark on his life that's on the spirit-filled Christian's life. There's a glimmer, there's a spark of life that's on the spirit-filled Christian that just doesn't exist outside that experience. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It's transformative power. What do I mean by that? It changes the dynamics of your Christian experience. Everything about your Christian experience changes when, you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This supernatural dimension in your life that you didn't have before, I've noticed this about people when they get spirit-filled. Suddenly, people who, who were born, born again, loved God, when they, when they move from that to being spirit-filled when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost, suddenly I've noticed that spirit-filled Christians just expect more from God. There's an expectation about, I mean, they expect to encounter God everywhere. They expect God to, I mean, when they get up in the morning, they're thinking, oh, man, what's, what, what are we going to do? What, what is Jesus and me going to do today? What are we going to do? There's an expectation in their prayer life. Spirit-filled people expect God to answer prayers. Most Christians don't, like I said earlier. They expect him to give an answer that, that they didn't ask for. There's something about spirit-filled Christians when they pray, there's just an expectation that, that God will actually hear me and he'll actually give me what, I, what I've asked for. I've noticed this about spirit-filled Christians. Their praise and worship is different. They're more thankful. They're more, I mean, before non-spirit-filled Christians, they praise God like this. They sing a song and they sing it. There's no expression. And, and they don't really talk about the things of God. I was looking for you, Chuck. I was looking for somebody tall. And, I, and, I, and, 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 and Brother Tim here was, I was looking for you. Somebody short and, and, and overweight. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> I've noticed that when people get filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, they're just praising God. It's just, it's just like an automatic thing. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Do you remember when you used to do that? Some of you still do, but some of you don't. You need to get refilled. If you don't act like you used to act, you need to get filled again and start acting like you used to act 
like you've got the Holy Ghost and not something sour. Amen. Spirit-filled Christians, there's this supernatural element in their praise, their thanksgiving, their expectations on prayer. There is a, a... Faith doesn't come by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't give people faith, but there's something about being filled with the Spirit that works with faith in a way that people that aren't filled with the Spirit don't quite get faith because of that expectation, and there's just a boost in, in the level of, of, of looking at the Word of God. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly they, they just think the Bible's true. Everything, I mean, everything God said, he meant. Everything Jesus did, he did. And what belongs to them belongs to them. That just goes with the spirit-filled life. Non-spirit-filled Christians are always questioning everything. Always trying to calm everybody down. Now, let's be reasonable. Let's be calm. Let's, let's, let's not get excited. Spirit-filled Christians are excited about everything. What is that? That's that supernatural something that comes into your life. That's that power. What I'm saying is spirit-filled people expect to be healed. They expect God to meet their needs. Non-spirit-filled Christians usually aren't expecting God to do a whole lot because they've not been told that he would. Spirit-filled Christians, they expect God to heal their automobile. I mean, they'll lay hands on their washing machine. It doesn't make any difference. Come on now. I mean, anything you need, I mean, you know, Jesus said, whatever you desire, they said, I desire a washing machine that works. Glory to God. You're going to work, washing machine. Now, you might think that's ridiculous, but it's the spirit-filled life. You take God literally when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You expect him to do what he said he would do. You expect prayer to affect every area of your life. Amen. What I'm saying is the ordinary becomes extraordinary. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Say, well, why do we want that? Why do we want to be all wound up like that? Why do we want to be laying hands on our washing machine? Driving on an empty tank of gas, bless God, I'm expecting you to put gas in this tank and get me to my, have you been there? I've been there. <laughs> Trusting God, I mean, that thing's on him down. I said, no, praise God. I'm expecting you to get me where I'm going. Non-spirit-filled people, I mean, they're just looking for some place to pull over. It's the truth. Well, why do, why do you want to be that way? Here's why. It tells us right here in verse eight. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses unto me. Witnesses unto me. What does it mean to be witnesses unto him? It means more than simply witnessing as a... The word, the word witness there is a noun. You shall be witnesses uh, uh, the, the literal Greek, another way to read that is, you shall be my witnesses. That's a noun. 
We've turned witness into a verb, and there you can apply it that way. And so a lot of people do a lot of witnessing, and I believe in witnessing, I believe in the verb, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will represent me. You will be, you will be a version of me. You'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be a version of me. You will be my representative. You will be my expression. You, 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 will, you will change from just being you representing what you believe. You'll be me representing me. You understand what I'm saying by that? I'm not saying you become the Lord Jesus Christ, but you, you take on his characteristics. Well, how did Jesus do what he did? Go over to Luke chapter three. Luke chapter three. Luke three. When all the people, this is verse 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And when he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. Where? Upon him. Now Jesus already had the Holy Spirit in him. How do you think he knew when he was 12 years old that he was, that, that he was to be about his father's business? He knew that because he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit from conception. But Jesus had to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says that the Spirit came upon him. Remember? Remember what it says in the 24th chapter of Luke here? The promise of my Father will come upon you. The, 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 the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. It says here, Jesus, who was already indwelt by the Spirit, at 30 years of age, when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended him descended upon him and a voice came from heaven which said you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and verse 23 Jesus began his ministry he didn't begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him now go down to verse chapter 4 verse 1 then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit notice the Spirit came upon him and it's described then in chapter four, verse one, as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing the parallel? It's the same thing we're talking about happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit. See the latter part of that? He was led by the Spirit. Something happens in the life of a Spirit-filled believer, the leadings of the Spirit become more distinct. The leadings of the Spirit become more dramatic when one is filled with the Spirit. Now, when one is born of the Spirit and has the Spirit living on the inside as a result of being born again, the Spirit is there as the teacher and the guide, yes. But when one is, is baptized with the Holy Spirit, like Jesus was on this day, when he is filled with the Spirit, you can expect more dramatic leadings of the Spirit and more consequential leadings of the Spirit. Notice the next part, you're not gonna like the next part. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
See, you're not ready for combat until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're ready to face the devil. Yeah, you've got a power in your life now. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. As soon as he was filled with the Spirit, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He said, well, I don't want any part of that, Pastor. Everything you said was good up until now. I'm ready to leave. But in the wilderness, he defeated the devil every single time. He had wisdom. He had... What was that? There was a supernatural element about him that he didn't have, Jesus didn't have before. There's a supernatural element came into Jesus' life that day that he didn't have 24 hours before. He was the son of God, yes, but he didn't have this. He was led of the spirit. He overcame by the spirit, glory to God. And in verse 14 of chapter four, it says he returned in the power of the spirit. Oh, glory to God. Now notice this, verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now he had been in Galilee. People in Galilee knew him. He wasn't a stranger to Galilee. He was from Galilee. But something happened to him that day out in in the River Jordan that was supernatural. And, and when he come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit began talking to him. The Holy Spirit then uh, led him. And now it says he returned in the power of the Spirit and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Now, the latter part of verse 14 and verse 15 is jumping ahead. It's telling us that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and then news of him went out. Well, that took a little time for news of him to go out. It didn't happen at the snap of a finger. So the latter part of verse 14 and verse 15 is is giving us a preview of of what happened and telling us ahead of time what, what happened. But then verse 16 drops back to Galilee. And it says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Now this is, this is the story of how the news got out. Now he's given us the detail, news of him spread. Now he's given us the story of how that happened. He went into Nazareth where he had been brought up. They knew him since he was a little boy. Oh yeah, that's Joseph's son, Jesus, of here. And it says, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Was that the first day he had been in the synagogue? No. No? He went into the synagogue as his custom was. Jesus frequented the synagogue before this day. He had been in the synagogue many times before this day. It was his habit to go to the synagogue. The people in the synagogue, hey, Jay, how you doing? There's Jesus. Come on in, man. They knew him. He stood up to read. That was common. That was part of the, of the, uh, of the tradition of the synagogue. If you wanted to read from the scriptures, you could. So he stood up to read. It wasn't the first time he had read from the scriptures. 
he stood up in the synagogue and he was handed the book of Isaiah. And so he leafed through the papyri, papyrus, however you say that, through the leaves. He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He began reading, just simply reading, just simply reading. Had he read there before? I'm certain he had. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. But there was something different today. There was something about what he read. There was something about the way he read it. There was something about how they heard it. Something had changed that day. What was it? The Holy Spirit had come upon him. There was a supernatural component to his life, to his persona, to his attitude, his presence, his essence. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He closed the book and just simply sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They thought to themselves, what has happened to Jesus? What something has happened? And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him, marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth and they said, hey, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph? Why would they ask sort of such a question? Did anybody come in here today and, and say to you, isn't this Rachel? No. Something, something was different. Something was different about, they said, isn't this, isn't this the same guy we've always known? Same one we've known since he was a little boy. Joseph's son works in the carpenter shop. He said, you will surely say this to me, this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And they said, and he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. He began to preach to him. So all those in the synagogue, verse 28, when they heard these things were filled with wrath. Listen, don't think your friends are just going to think it's the greatest thing that's happened to you. But the people whose God's, who, whom God, who God had opened their heart, the people whom God had opened their hearts, they were open to him. Oh, glory. The, the religious leader were filled, with, were filled with wrath. But he passed his way, and he went on down to the city of, of Capernaum and was teaching there on their, in, in their synagogue on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his word. For his, in his teaching, for his word was with authority. He rebuked the evil spirits. They came out of a man. The Peter's mother-in-law was healed that evening. Uh, the, the sun, before the sun was set, they brought to him all the sick people. He healed all of them, cast the devil out of them. I'm telling you, something happened that day in Nazareth when he went into that synagogue. There was a supernatural component in his life. And Jesus said, you will receive power yourselves when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be 
my representative. You'll go out like I did. No longer will you be that one that everybody knew before. Oh yeah, Doug, you, you know, I remember Doug, yeah, that's Doug Brown. Didn't you work at St. John's Beverage? See, the, people will know you from the past, but then they'll notice something's changed. Yeah, that's Doug, but there's something different. Doug doesn't, Doug doesn't just, I, I know we got saved, but something's different now. There's a supernatural component. You expect God to do what he said he was gonna do. There's a joy about you, a freshness about you, a faith about you, praise about you. There's a supernatural component in your life that draws people not to you, but to the Lord. Now, some people will be compelled, but some people will be drawn. I couldn't give a flip about the people who are driven away. I, I couldn't care less about people are, who are driven away and don't like it. God, God sent me to be a witness and I'm all about the people who will receive. Amen. That's what I'm all about. I'm telling you, the spirit-filled life is the life that represents Jesus. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot represent him like you need to. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, you cannot be the witness for him that he wants you to be and you want to be. I'm running over a little bit today, but my clock only says 43 minutes, and so I'm going to close. I got a late start. Praise the Lord. I didn't stop, start my clock right on the way either, I don't think, but anyway. <laughs> I was about three minutes short starting my timer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Oh, Hallelujah. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Amen. That's a good question. The Spirit-filled life changes everything. I remember, I see, I see, Wayne and Gail Avigny back there. I remember years ago when their daughters started coming to our youth group. Somebody at high school invited them and they, they came to our youth group and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and Wayne and Gail saw such a difference in their daughters. They said, I don't know what kind of church you're going to, but we've got to go over there and check this out. Why? Because there was a supernatural witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that, that witness is not just telling people about Jesus. There, that's part of it, but that's only a small part of it. The witness that we are to be is our representation of him, our mimicking of him, our being like him, carrying that, carrying that empowerment in our walk, in our talk, in the way we uh, respond to things in life. Spirit-filled people respond differently than other people do. Now, now like I said, some of you have, have, some of that's leaked out. You don't praise God like you used to. Don't get, 
excited now, just overrun the place. That, that thrill, that thrill of everyday life in Christ, it's kind of waned for some people. You can get that back. You can get that back. Oh, glory to God. The Bible teaches being baptized in the Holy Spirit once, but it teaches being refilled many times. Oh, glory to God. You can be filled afresh, anew today. You can have that same exuberance, that same expectation of God. I mean, spirit-filled people just, they expect to see God everywhere. And just the little mundane situations in life, they just expect God to show up. Oh, glory to God. You need to get back to that. I said, you need to get back to that. If you've drifted away, you need to get back to that. Amen. Expecting God to show up everywhere all the time. Just get in the middle of your business. Glory to God. It's what he wants to do. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.